Hello, everybody. I'm going to steal your you line from that. Why do you keep doing that crap? I did it once. <laughs> no, you did it multiple times. I did it one time. Today on the podcast, we talk classified information, Pentagon and Area 51. Yeah, That's we went it. full conspiracy theories. That's not true, though. Ben did. <laughs> ben was asking all the Area 51 questions. And it was good. Yeah. No, we had, we had a, a gentleman named Brian Scott, who I have the pleasure of calling a friend. Um, well, sometimes it's a pleasure. He's, uh, he's Depends who's here. on buying the beer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, yeah, we talked military, we talked civilian life, we talked the leadership. crossover and leadership. Um, good leaders, bad leaders, somewhere in between. Changing dynamic of the military to some degree. Yeah, we, what the future holds. We got a little bit controversial, but we're going to have to listen to hear about Oh, that. no, I think everybody knows who got controversial. <laughs> this point we know yeah who has to vocalize their opinion so episode 120 something i want to say by the point this comes out it's going to be 126 late 120s so maybe even later yeah yeah, here we go on to the episode thank you for the coffee yeah all right we're recording that distance is good brian okay so we'll just have to stay there the whole time. No, you can move around. Just just don't okay. lean back much. We just don't want you talking on your way back here. Okay. Um, or like or should I, would I be better or like this. setting it like that? Just so I can be comfortable. Whatever you want to do. You'll find that when yeah, we're talking, you you'll, you'll lean forward thing? like this. There's, it's like a space chair. So we're a financial advising office, and we don't. there's no comfortable chairs. We want you to be uncomfortable <laughs> so, while you're here. Gotcha. No, these chairs, this is like a Starship Enterprise, like... When you get one that actually goes back, you've hit the jackpot. Well, and there's like so many little knobs on there's them that it's like, you're like, so this goes up, down, twisty, turn. And a big knob. Go. There's a big knob in yours. There. Yeah, you want to see it? <laughs> We're not talking I'm about the same knob. I'm calling you the knob. Yeah, and I'm changing it around. All right. Am I still good at this temperature or this distance? Uh, no, you look pretty quiet, actually. Okay, how's that? Sure, that works. That worked. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, no. I'll get talking loud when I get telling stories, anyways. Yeah. So just we're going to talk about Stephen, right? I don't. Stephen's What? I've got this story about a kayak on Pondere oh. Lake. Okay. <laughs> that that's a good one. You can share that. I don't care. Welcome to Ordinary to Extraordinary. My name is Ben Clunt, and this is my Scottish friend Stephen Brown. And today we're going to have story time with his friend Brian Scott. Who's yeah. going to tell us all of the dirt on Steven? Not all of the dirt, just some of the dirt. Enough of the dirt to make you look <laughs> dirty. I don't even know if you know enough he, to incriminate he, me. I was going to say he's dirty enough. To, he incriminates himself. <laughs> you, you know some stuff. Yeah, I, I would never incriminate you. you you'll just you'll do it to yourself. Yeah, I was gonna, enough, I, enough people will have beers with you. That I you're shared like, with, with Ben, this is like my... Uh, the, the podcast is my, I'm going to say everything that I probably wouldn't say out loud and I'm going to incriminate myself in case I ever get the urge to be in politics and then I'll just be like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> See, I had this oh, podcast, podcast once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Da, da, da. I've told enough stories on here that I incriminate myself. Yeah, you, you have. Yeah. So explain the relationship. What are we talking about today, Stephen? We're just drinking buddies. I win money off of them every year when we play a, a soccer bet. He was cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers. He yeah. owes me a cheeseburger dinner and a steak dinner just now. Oof. I haven't seen the final tally on the steak dinner thing though. Do you want to I ended up with three. I ended up with three of the four correct, but none of them in the correct order. I had one in the correct order, which gets me additional points. Wait, wait, what and you only about? had two correct, right? Yeah. No, three. Man City, three Liverpool, Man United. Man City, Liverpool, and United. I United oh, in second. Warp, yeah. warp, warp. I'm sure people listening to this are like, what enough? What are they talking about? I know. That's what I'm Maybe I had four what in the correct. About. Now that Liverpool's in there, I might have picked all four correctly. Yeah, but not in any kind of, in nowhere near the order. No, because you get yeah, two we'll, points. We'll tally it. Yeah. Um, you guys ready to talk about something interesting now? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. Nothing's interesting to you except money. You're oh, so shallow, what? Ben. What? <laughs> you want to talk about what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> huh? What? Um... So the relationship between Brian and I, I, so first off, Brian's retired military, Air Force, 28 years between the Army and the Air Force. Am I overstating, understating? That's correct. We're going to let you tell your story here in a minute. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, when he retired, um, we're going to also put you on the spot and ask you why you didn't seek out the full Colonel thing, so be prepared to answer that. 
Um, when I moved to Spokane, I was not planning on coaching soccer, and Brian's son actually was on the first team that I ended up coaching. And to cut a long story short, at that time there was a guy trying to put a team together for boys that age. It was like 17 and 18, like juniors and seniors, correct? I, or yeah, maybe, it might have been sophomores, juniors. Yeah, so the guy trying to put the team together was not a, a, a high-caliber coach, not that I necessarily am, but ran rings around this guy. Um, Brian's son's a goalkeeper, high-level goalkeeper, very, very accomplished goalkeeper, ended up playing Division Two over at MSU Billings. And basically the team was going to fall apart because Brian said, well, I don't want that guy to coach. Uh, I want that guy to coach. And I was that guy. So I ended up coaching Brian's son. Which, which that guy? The good that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I ended up That's coaching true. Brian's son and the rest is history. We've been friends for, what, 11 years now? Absolutely. And I learned a lot from you too because I obviously had been coaching for a long time and played. But uh, I learned a lot about you know your style and approach and yeah it was it made me a better coach too so now see you, i'm not a complete yeah. buffoon ben well it depends on what regard we're talking about uh <laughs> so, so you when did you come to the state Stephen? 2003 2003 okay so yeah. you've been here a while 18 so years. you guys you were well when did you come to spokane i guess 2009 be. so okay, this so would have been late 2009 or 2010 right yes yeah is when you guys so right when you came about then you guys mm-hmm. met okay because I've heard you refer to them kind of like as your Spokane family yeah yeah so like. I do Thanksgiving Easter um, random trips to the lake with these guys which is where the kayak story came from and we'll get to that in a minute when um, I was in a bind to get my catamaran from Key Largo to Miami I called mm-hmm. Stephen he's a, he, you know he doesn't know how to sail but I knew he'd he'd be there a and he'd how to sail. yeah. Uh, maybe well. not a catamaran, but yeah. <laughs> a little 12-foot skiff out there. I did not call on you for your skill at the sea. I called at you He's for your ability to be a good buddy and just make stuff happen. He also tried to kill me while we were there, by the way. <laughs> while he was up in a bosun's, bosun's chair. Bosun, right? Yeah. yeah. 60 feet in the air. He decided to drop a screwdriver that landed about a foot away from me. Oh, and smashed a, a solar panel. Yeah, I ruin a solar panel. I ruin a lot of things on my boat. It makes me have to fix more things. Yeah. So. so before you tell your story, I want to talk about that trip. So the the absolute, this was near the start of COVID as well. It was just over a year ago. So it was still, everybody was still in panic stations. Um, you weren't allowed to drive into Key West, right? You weren't allowed to drive the Keys from mm-hmm. the mainland of Florida. They had a blockade set up. Yeah, but you could fly in. So we flew in, they tested our temperature, when it's 100 degrees out on the runway. <laughs> so you're like, wait, you're testing, my, it's already 100 degrees anyway. So then we drove from there to Key Largo to pick up this uh, catamaran, which long story short, Brian was going to get a huge tax bill if the boat wasn't put in the water because it was on land, it would have been a sales tax bill because, right? Am I? Yeah, well, we had to get it out of Florida waters. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a, a time limit that you're allowed to be there. Like and after purchase or something? Exactly. Mm-hmm. They just have a, a yeah. big, you know, they want to get their tax money. Yeah, greedy bugger. So we get there. The guy at the dry dock was a complete prick, for want of a better term. Um, and that's me being nice. And <laughs> we're all, we're flustered as hell. We just don't want to deal with the guy. But we have to get provisions. We have to pick up like um, propane tanks and all this stuff. So he goes in to load up the provisions. I run to get the propane tanks. The idea is I'm going to go and drop the rental car off, which is about two miles down the road. Propane tanks in the thing. And then the guy that was running the thing, that the dry dock was going to come and get us. Come pick me up, bring me back. With the propane tanks. I left the propane tanks in the rental car. Whoops. Dropped the keys through the rental car place door. Oh. Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> Keep in mind, these aren't just average propane tanks. They're like aluminum propane tanks. They're like you know, $300 a piece. Yeah. So it wasn't like we could just leave them. But we had to go. We had to get in the water. And that was our way to cook our food that we had just yeah. bought too, right? Mm-hmm. Stephen left them in the trunk. Yeah. So it was, it was just a whole cluster. Well, no. So, it, But the story goes on. So we, we, had, we got the boat in the water. 
and we're talking massive boat, right? 42 feet by 20. It's, it's a big crane um, on wheels that, you know, puts you in the water. And so we go out and we spend the night on, uh, the boat's name is Freebird. We spend the night on Freebird. And then the next day we're calling the rental place. And I don't remember the guy's name, but he had to come. Jose. Okay, yeah. So his name is Jose. And he, he needed uh, to bring us these tanks. And, and so we're going by dinghy for all the way from out, anchored out into some random places. I'm calling him, I don't know where I am. And he's just driving around random streets. I'm amazed we ended up with those propane tanks How did back. you guys connect? You just find a point and... Yeah, basically. <laughs> said, hey, Started you... telling him what we could see. <laughs> right, it took a while. It was... You couldn't just go back to the dry dock where you were? No, we weren't going near that guy. He hated us. Oh, really? Yeah. Did yeah, he, he pick you up? He, he did. He came and got me. Yeah. Um, and then I needed him to take me back once we realized we'd left the pro. It was just a cluster, absolute cluster. <laughs> but we got we there it. and sailed to Miami. And yeah, yeah. Pictures races. looked cool. Yeah, it was good. Well, yeah. Anytime you're on a boat in the water, mm-hmm. the Corona in hand. It, Even uh, a boat that needs a lot of work. <laughs> At that time, it did. You've done a lot since then, though. Um, all right, Brian, tell us your story from uh, growing up, military, all that stuff, to where you're at now. Uh, growing up, uh, I guess the best place to start is that I come from a fam, a military family. You know, uh, both grandfathers, World War II. Uh, one was B-17, the other was a, a retired captain in the Navy. Um, that grandfather, the grandfather that flew B-17s, then the Army Air Corps retired out at Fairchild, and that's how we all kind of ended up here. Then my dad, he was a pilot uh, for the Air National Guard and for Avista, and he Wait, uh, he was a pilot for Avista, mm-hmm. like a private pilot. Yeah, like oh, he cool. flew their corporate jet. Sweet, yeah. yeah. And then uh, so he kind of had the best of both worlds—a nice, um, good company to work for, good job for that company. And then he was a- able to also serve in the military. And I think he did about the same number of years I did. We were—he may—I don't think he did a, f- a full thirty. Um, but he but retired. He flew in the first Gulf War, right? Yeah, he flew in the first Gulf War, and then also out Operation Allied Force, which was Kosovo. And so he, um, you know, he did his part, and he retired as a lieutenant colonel. Had an opportunity to to keep going, but um, you know, he was at the stage of his life where it's time to focus on one job. And so then. For me, I enlisted while he was when while he was right before he left for the Gulf War because Saddam Hussein invaded while I was in basic training pretty vivid, vivid memories and I started out as an E1 uh, the very you can't get in, you can't go below an E1 you know that's the very bottom of the of the hierarchy in the enlisted force and so I start out there can uh, we pause for a sec for people who don't know there's the enlisted route and there's the officer route the officer route normally there's a degree involved right first correct and then the enlisted route is you don't need a degree you're basically for want of a better term just young and able and you can enlist and e1 is well, so you one of my E1 questions is yeah. going to be breaking down the ranks okay cool can, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to clarify for people listening. Yeah, so I start out enlisted, and, and you know, for anybody that's listening that's prior military, that it'll make sense to them. But um, so I did that. I was enlisted for ten years, worked on college, had a family, all that happening during that period, uh, and then, uh, well, I guess I get I need I did three years as a reservist as a crew chief while I was going to the University of Washington. Then I transferred. Uh, to active duty because I was married and we were going to have a kid and I needed to pay the bills. I was working as a nursing assistant at the time uh-huh. in, a, in a nursing home. It's really tough work. You know, hats off to nursing assistants because they are, um, they work so hard. I was working nights. I was miserable. And I'm like, I'm joining the Army. And my dad still teases me about it to this day. He goes, remember that time you joined the Army? He brings it up pretty much every, every time. Because I was already in the Air Force, right? You know, and, and you, see, you see the flow one direction usually more than the other. Because, you know, the Army, it's... Uh, so you it's have an, Army, Navy, Air Force in your family then, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my uncle uh, was a West Point grad, 
retired 06 and uh, you know did a couple tours in Vietnam five bronze stars for valor he was he was the real deal and uh, yeah so we have you know big mil- other uncles you know my sister flies c-17s currently hmm. for the for the Air Force she's in the reserves um, and so yeah we just have a huge military family my son is in now wow. you know, he cool. does uh, does some computer type work and uh so <laughs> and so um he does some computer stuff yeah and so anyways so we've got my son in and so i uh yeah we have a huge heritage there and so i do a few years in the army um i'm on active duty and then i get, have the opportunity to get back in the air guard at the time and then finished college got my commission once I got my commission I became a second lieutenant and then I had really cool opportunities that's when things kind of took off for me I really liked uh, doing part-time stuff in the guard and going to college and finishing doing all that congruently it was a very busy time in life but then once I got my commission I kind of became I'll do whatever you guys want you know and so I just through a series of kind of fortunate circumstances, I ended up working at the Pentagon as a second lieutenant, which helped me land a detachment commander position in a in a small um, combat communications unit in the middle of nowhere, and that no one else wanted because it was going to be decommissioned. Hmm. I'm like, I'll take it, and so I just became hmm. that kind of. I'll just started doing all these weird things, and I was kind of ends up summing up my officer career quite a bit is I ended up doing a whole bunch of weird different things. Um, so I take this unit, I, they end up asking me to not just decommission it, but stay on to stand up what at the time was the first uh, in, information warfare unit in the, um, in the reserves. So, but I'm full time. And so I ended up standing that unit up. It was a great experience. It's called the 262 Information Warfare Aggressor Squadron. We did basically red team kind of stuff. You what know. does that mean? <laughs> you're saying, uh, I was well, like, for, okay, Brian, you're starting to get into the language where the rest of us are like, well, what the hell is this guy saying? So, so red team is one, two, you just three, basically oh, pretend six. to be the bad guys and you, you know, ha- hack into systems or, you know, circumvent security and you... It's like hired hackers? Essentially, yeah. yeah, but but we did it for the government, and uh, so so, Wait, we, so you ran a team of hackers. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I helped. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't the guy, okay. you know. But I was the detachment commander, so I was kind of the full time guy. There were guys far more brilliant than I was, you know. I mean, it. I was kind of the the. I had to make everything kind of fit together. We're talking budget. We're talking, you know, training standing up i mean it was all new right there was no off-the-shelf book so don't don't steven is distracted because a girl in a blonde ran by she's still running by (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) steven we're gonna put the blinds down again (laughs) steven over here um yeah so just just on that and i know that your dad gives you shit for this as well Brian had to do basic training twice. Right. Because, because he, Air Force and then Reserves yeah. or what? Well, no. The, or, so uh, the Army, Army doesn't count Air Force basic training. So Air Force, <laughs> basic, Air Force basic training focuses on, you know, attention to detail and different sorts of um, tasks and capabilities for its airmen. Whereas the Army, I mean, you spend weeks and weeks at firing ranges because the Army's mentality yeah. is everybody's a soldier first. Whereas the Air Force knows that we're probably not going to have a lot of our guys, with the exception of some few a few special operations, TACP sort of forward controllers, we're not going to have a lot of guys shooting guns, you know. Uh, and of course, you know we have security forces and stuff, but um, th- you know that's not the majority of the Air Force mission. So they don't spend much. We I think we spent. I want to say two days, and wasn't even a full two days with the, shooting. Yeah, just learning, learning the. <laughs> the army's like, oh, that's cute. You think you can shoot? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, in the army, you just go to ranges day after day after day and qualify different types of ranges. So, 
it was pretty, you know, that experience was How long is boot camp? Uh, for the Air Force at the time, it was only like six weeks, just over by the time they end process you. The Army was over eight weeks because you spent like a week in this, you know, kind of uh, holding status where they shave your head, give you shots, make sure you got your dog tags, <laughs> pretend to yell at you a little bit, and then they drop you off to the real drill sergeants, and, and then, then life changes for the worse for a while. <laughs> and then, How long so, are you with them for? That was eight weeks. That was eight yeah. weeks, okay. And then, you know, some guys, they go in, like, the, I went the medic route, so I was a medic in the Army. So I went from crew chief on aircraft to medic in the Army, and uh, then to, we went to, to Fort hackers. Sam. <laughs> to what? To yeah, running. yeah. It's, I was it's like, wait, you're in the a medic in the army to hackers? I'm confused. How yeah, no, well, that, that was later. I mean, tw- it spans 28 years. So, so the enlisted time was was pretty fantastic. I really enjoyed my experiences there, and, and it was a ver- it was a variety of things to do. Found myself in a little military intelligence unit for a short period of time before I had the opportunity to get my commission, and it was just that was unique as well. And then got my commission, doing cybersecurity stuff, and then I had the opportunity to work at headquarters. Um, so let me backtrack. So I went from the Pentagon to this uh, information warfare cyber unit, had opportunity to work at headquarters. I had done that for about four or five years. What's I headquarters mean? Headquarters uh, at the state level, so you, you know you become basically a staff officer, and you're you know doing paperwork. I mean, I work programs. at the headquarters too, like ten Capital World headquarters, but I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, headquarters is you know a lot more. Just you're around you know higher level officers dealing with strategic for issues for the army, like they have this army the air, air force. force. No, this force is headquarters. after I got my commission, so I'm in the air guard full time. And uh, and uh, and the unit that I had just left, we we had a sister unit, an active duty sister unit down at Lackland, and so I got we interfaced throughout my career. I interfaced a lot between at active and reserve components and bounced back and forth between them, obviously. But so when I was at headquarters, I had a chance to come back to Spokane, Washington, and I remember the general came into my office and he's like hey, do you want to, you know, there's an opportunity here for you for uh, a squadron command, which is a bit, kind of a big deal. And I decided, yeah, you know, I, I might like that, but I don't want to leave. And so I told him no. And a week later, he came back into my office and because I thought maybe I was still going to do cybersecurity after I did finish doing this staff tour somewhere on that side of the state. Um, the unit was stood up on that side of the state. I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around. You have to fix it. But um, <laughs> I'm not the fixing it. I like this. I'm not fixing it. I'm not fixing it. The unit was stood up on that side of the state because of its proximity to Microsoft. So we were able to get reservists that had thousandfold more experience than anybody we could ever train. Because of all the tech firms over there. Oh yeah, and they got to do really cool missions on the weekends compared hmm. to maybe some of the things they did. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it was there was a synergy there, too. Sometimes they were doing really important cybersecurity-related things for some of the firms there and then would bring those skills, and there was just a nice marriage there. Still is. Still is with many units now. Now they have several units that are like this. Well, it makes sense. They already state. have an embedded skill set from their yeah. you know, day-to-day. It's like, hey, can we utilize you on the weekends every once in a while? Yeah, absolutely. And so... And the firm's benefit, too, because obviously they gain unique experiences yeah. in the military. So Steven's got a confused look on his face. I'm fixing a work issue. I'm still listening. <laughs> oh, you looked up like you had a confused look on your face. <laughs> so I go from that to staff job, stay there. General says, hey, would you like to go over there? There's an opportunity for command. I said no. Came back a week later. I mean, he knew my dad and my family. He said, are you sure? And I'm like, no, I'm not sure. Can I think about it a little more? Because we were in, we were living in Yelm, Washington. We loved it there. We had a nice little home out in the woods, and uh, it was, it was. I mean, I was coaching actually American football at the time and soccer, 
but we were running the football program for all the town there, little town, and mm-hmm. it was really fun. And we were very rooted. But then when I came back and I talked to my wife the second time, I'm like, you know, this is probably our only chance because my oldest daughter was in seventh grade, I want to say, or maybe she's even eighth grade. She might have been eighth grade. And moving your kids in high school is tough. Not so fun. You know, with three daughters, and then then Joe was two years behind, and then, you know, Emma was just behind that, and by, you know, a few years, and then Ab. So we're like, we either do it now, or we just plan on staying here and not ever uprooting them. So obviously we changed our minds, ended up back here. I took over the comm flight. Um, I became the comm flight commander, and eventually... I can't remember all the order, but I eventually ended up running the, um, then I went to force support. Oh, no, I did some intel work. So I was the comm flight commander. And, Steve is just a real and then I did the uh, a cyber intel sort of transition for a period. And then I went to actually back to the 141st Air Refueling Wing. And then they put me in charge of the medical group of all things. Yeah, no. it Full it, circle? Well, yeah, I mean, it it was, you know, it was a little bit. They were just, um, there were some unit issues, and they just wanted someone from the outside to go in and be the acting group commander, and so I did that as best I could, you know, not being a a medical expert, and so we just kind of, actually, I ended up doing that for a couple years, and that was a really interesting mission because they do a lot with, uh, you know, Homeland Security and FEMA type stuff, FEMA Region 10. Mm-hmm. So they had some missions that are from domestic response perspective that were fun that I learned a lot about. And then I actually ended my career as the Force Support Squadron Commander, which is like a combination of, it's in the in the Air Force, you, you know, you would never, in the civilian world, I don't think you would pair um, a human resources function with a, fatality search and recovery function and a you know running the um dining facilities base gym uh, they you know it's just kind of a cats and dogs support function and that was that was also a pretty rewarding experience work with some good people there and so that was it lieutenant colonel that was it that was it i decided <laughs> I decided after 28, I just told you my whole life story. I know. I was like, Five I gave you 28-year rundown. It was like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but what he just did, I just realized that's pretty freaking hard. Like, I've I tried, know. I I've tried that a few times where people have asked me about, well, start at the start and end at the end, and I'm like, okay. You, you, you really, you really and, did. But I've been all over the, the place, and I've, like you and I have even done it here, and I've missed so much. It's like oh yeah, no. Like I'm what you were doing, you're telling your story, and you're like yeah. And then I went here and coached, and then, oh wait, I missed a whole year out because right. of this, and like yeah. So let's talk about. I, I told you I was going to ask you what the ranks are, and I'm sure the ranks vary depending on what branch of the uh, armed forces that you're in. So you talked about starting at O one or something like that, or E one. What did you E1. say? E one. Yeah. one or something. Mm-hmm. So talk about the levels because I you always hear like. Officer, Colonel, Lieutenant, like what are what does all that mean? What levels do they go in? Other than obviously the obvious ones, what I just named. Like I know there's more. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's obviously been kind of an evolution. I I don't know if I can say it in a way that makes sense. Because they're you know? all weird acronyms or what? No, just because of how it it doesn't make sense in modern terms, really. So you haven't. In the old days, you had enlisted and you had officers. Your officers were the ones who, and when I say old days, I'm like going back to, you know, horses. Yeah, horses. Yeah. So the, the, when, when horses were our main back implement the musket of musket again. Yeah. yeah. And so your officers were, you know, often from, you know, wealthy families. You know, you had access to military science, education, and whatnot. And then your enlisted force was back then largely uneducated, uh, and you know it was the masses. You so know. the brain and the brawn, almost of sorts. Yeah, well, and it's just raw numbers, and you know, you're, so your enlisted force, you can't have it doesn't do any good. And actually, it's really bad to have a whole bunch of officers in a room trying to get something yeah. done. Uh, you had to have, you know, numbers. You would have, like, you know, 
one off, one officer lieutenant and you would have a platoon of you know 20 guys or whatever and this goes way back to you know your officers would be leading elements of enlisted the and and you're really the the fighting force was the enlisted right so but the officers would study military science and they would be in command of that enlisted force and then your senior enlisted people were the best at their job and would help from an enlisted perspective maintain order and and different things and those were your your eventually your ncos so you have these not these officers these commissioned officers who largely come out of you know academics uh, and then you have your non-commissioned officers which are your senior enlisted people who were your your enlisted force that became educated and became leaders and then you have your enlisted you know just down at the bottom level force that was that was your your workers your worker bees and that's what I was I was an E1 you know when I started out I didn't even have enough college to get sometimes they'll give you extra stripes now so this is this is you know for, that's the origin of it all that's where it came well in modern times it's really different you know your enlisted force is actually really quite educated most of them have degrees especially if they've been in for a while so the distinctions become a little bit different you know, span of control is still somewhat similar for officers, but there are units where your job as an is, officer. Does everybody fall into one of those? Like, is a colonel or a lieutenant colonel or all the, are they officers? Yes. So, so the the enlisted ranks are like. So there's you know, ranks within each of those lines, if you will. Right. Right. And and yes. And <laughs> it's it's hard to describe. This is funny. I don't know that I've. Had, talk to a layperson about the military hey, before hey, hey, hey. I'm, real, I'm, I'm really realizing how much sense it doesn't make now but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But the, the non, so the, the enlisted you're looking at like petty officers and staff sergeant and yes. stuff like that right yep, correct whereas yep. on the other side it's full like um sergeant, lieutenant no no colonel, sergeants. not sergeant sorry lieutenant um lieutenant colonel colonel general yeah, so, but each one the has their area? hierarchy. So, for example, if you have an a enlisted... hierarchy you're saying, of each level. Yeah, yeah. So you go, you know, E1 through, you know... So you got A, B, C, and D, and you have A1, A2, A3 type thing. No, E. E for enlisted. I'm just saying in, okay. in, in general, right. the, the, the A, B, C, D, the hierarchy. Right, well, we can we use numbers? One, two, three, four. They, that's literally how it works. Okay, it's one, two, e, three, four. E, one, one a. through nine. Yeah, exactly. So you one have... One B. And then you start at the O's as well. And so, like, I transition... Why do they make this so damn confusing? Why can't they just well, stick with I'm, the first... <laughs> that's why I'm telling you. I'm realizing now how much... It even makes less sense. Make, yeah, yeah and especially since our, and the enlisted force is so educated and... and good at their job and technical yeah. you know i mean like my son you know he's enlisted now and he he just finished six months of really specialized computer training and uh he I, you know he could swim circles around most officers in the same career field oh, yeah. Yeah, so sure. but it didn't used to be that way so that's anyways that we're here that's how we got here and so e1 so like if you have an e9 you know you have a in this case chief master sergeant they have been around a really long time and they know way more about the air force say than an o1 but an o1 who just came just barely got his training wheels off from college and whatever his commissioning source was may technically be in charge of an e9 you know at a unit hmm. um meaning not I don't, yeah, in charge is probably a little strong because he the e9 probably works directly for the commander not one of the well, officers it's like the same as a corporation right i mean you could have a ceo who's younger than their the, right. their head of hr but yeah. the head of hr knows you know might have been there for 30 years but knows a lot about the company might know more than hr but not, sure i mean they all yeah. have their own respective areas sure so there's a little weirdness to it so they, they run together you've got e1s and all ones and they they claim the ladder together yeah, yeah. But essentially, the officers are the ones that tend to be more senior. I vaguely remember them. <coughs> Excuse me. I vaguely remember them coming to GU actually and talking about like enlisting in the military and how since you have a degree, you'd become in as an officer and you could like some of that stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I do remember them coming to school. Yeah, you're, you're probably glad you became a financial planner because that, that you, you did w way better than all the officers. Yeah, did. it's worked out okay. <laughs> it's worked out. <laughs> it's worked out okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 
You know, yeah, every field pays differently. They're all different. Yeah. You get to control your time a little differently. The thing is, though, I don't and this, yelled is, at. this is what's really well, cool. Too often. Brian's on to his second career. Yeah. And still getting paid from his previous career, which is awesome, right? right. If you put time. in the time. Yeah, you, it, well, it used to be 20 years. That's how Their whole pension system's changed, from my understanding. It has changed. It's so uh, you don't get the portable now. Yeah, so it's more like a 401k. Exactly. Yeah. And... Well, you do still have. I don't even know if they can opt in. A little bit in. of a pension still. They, well, there there is, and there's there's just so many options now. It was so much easier when there's only one option, yeah, right? We're gonna pay you this. Either you make it to twenty or you don't. But yeah. now it's, uh, it, you can actually do a ten year career and still take something with oh, you. That's cool. So I think it's better for probably young people in the modern world if they want to get capable people in. I don't know how good it is for keeping people in. Because you used to get to that 10-year mark, and that was kind of the deciding, like, either I stay another 10 or I punch now and I go try my hand at a civilian life. But now I think it would be easier to say, you know what, I've I've served a good 10 years, and I'm going to take what I have out of my retirement, and I'm going to roll it into my next job. It's just a job change at that point. It kind of is. I mean, just taking your 401k, rolling it over. Yeah. So... I want to dive into something here. So we talk leadership a lot, you and I. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been blessed in that I've been able to get your military insight and apply it to a lot of civilian issues, or at least take parts of it, because not everything transfers from the military world to civilian and vice versa. Um, Can you talk about times, and specifics maybe, but if you don't think of specifics, can you talk about how that works in terms of what transfers from military to civilian because you've been a leader both in the community as a coach and someone that's uh very heavily involved as a volunteer but also at a high level of command within the air force and i'm curious about the crossover and what doesn't and what does well i think the basics of leadership translate very similarly i mean it, it, it will you'll have to like hit me with some specifics on this because so, for example, you can come in the military and say and be very, you know, autocratic, and we're going to do this, and and because I'm the senior person and I'm I'm in charge, yeah. and you will get a, a certain amount of reaction. Some people are like, okay, we got to do this and we got to get it done, but that's probably not going to going to buy you a whole bunch of credibility over time. It's it's no different, in, I don't think, in the civilian world. In fact, the the most successful military leaders that I met maybe had a, made an effort not to rely on rank and the uniform code of military justice mm-hmm. to to give them all their authority. You know, mm-hmm. earned authority doesn't matter whether you're civilian or or military. If you can earn the authority and get everybody believing in whatever it is your mission is, you know, if your mission is to um, do medical things, you know, and, and you want to be a really high-functioning medical unit, then, you know, how can you communicate those objectives to folks, get them to buy in and go? That's no different than in civilian world mm-hmm. with what I currently do, a small school district, whether it's getting them to buy in for with, with zero, like, what I would call absolute authority. I don't have any rank over anybody. Um, I have to get them to buy in and think it's, hey, it's a good idea to make our school more secure and we can do these things and a lot more um, a lot more offering of reasons why to get them motivated but that's not unlike the military the military if the if you assume because just because you're in charge and you have the information and you tell someone to do something and that they'll probably go and do it there's a lot of really good you know salute and move out troops right they'll Mm -hmm. salute and they'll go get it done because that's who they are but they might even do better if you tell them why they're doing it and, mm-hmm. wh- and they're bought into the, the whole mission. Yeah. So those were the most successful leaders I saw is ones that were able to do the, a little more earned authority. And my dad was like that. And I knew that because I was still barely in as just a, an E1. And e, I probably got out when, or he probably retired when I was an E3. I can't even remember. No, he, yeah. Or I was an E4 when he retired. Because he had come to my commissioning ceremony, and he had just retired, and you're allowed to wear the uniform. I can remember him flying all the way to, back then, the commissioning source for um, 
This was the Academy, Academy of Military Science in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I remember him showing up and he had just retired. And I knew he was a good leader because I had been in, interacted with so many people that knew him. And, and when that volume of people come to you and say, oh man, your dad was great, he did this or that, and kind of motivated me to be a, a little bit better version of myself oh, if absolutely, I could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and don't don't sell yourself short. I've talked to enough people from your <laughs> squadrons and your under your command that have nothing but good things to say about you. In fact, when you retired, there was a lot of people pissed off and still are because they don't <laughs> like who they're working for now. And I can say that you don't need to. Um, so yeah, you're you're in the same place as your dad in that regard. But you 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 touched on something that. I hear Jocko Willink talking about a lot as well. So he's a former SEAL and um, I'm intrigued by it. And it's that I think a lot of people, and it might be Hollywood that's done this, they think there's one, when it comes to the military, it's one guy and he says charge and everybody charges or it's one guy <laughs> that says, no, we're not doing that. And it all falls on one guy. And what I've learned through you and others is that, no, we encourage people to speak up. And we don't want people that follow orders blindly. We constantly want to be challenged, but in a, a respectful way. And again, that that just seems alien to most people look, thinking of the military. Right. But am I am I wrong in saying that you guys actually do want challenge and you want people to say, "Hey, well, wait, there might be a different way, and this might work better." As I, a, I think effective leaders want that. Yeah. But I, there are ineffective leaders too, and. And that's so. There's there is one big difference between I think the civilian track and the military track, and that is from day one you're getting some kind of leadership indoctrination as an E1. You know they they create squad leaders at basic training. They do something. You come back. You might there might be an E3 that's kind of in charge of you. You know, but you do actual formal leadership training of some sort. You know, and. It, it's not a lot, you know, it might be as simple as, you know, this is reading your role as a leader in a little brown book, called it the little brown book, and um, prior to that there were other things that, or other implements where they try and impart leadership because they want to build you up to eventually be that E4 that's in charge of a couple guys, and then the E5, which is the non-commissioned officer who's hmm. going to be in charge of a larger group, and or a program, I mean, there's a lot of lot of leadership in running programs as well you see that like at the pentagon you know there might be uh, there might be some major who's not in charge of anybody but he's running like you know the f-22 procurement program or something you know so you there's all sorts of um, opportunities i think for leadership and the only difference between there's the, the you have the same volumes of leadership in the civilian world but you're in the civilian world you're not constantly getting it mm-hmm. kind of this indoctrination to leadership now that doesn't mean the military's got leadership all figured out either because we grow plenty of incapable leaders and eat, and they make it the whole distance and i have it's always kind of frustrated me i mean i look at my own inadequacies and sometimes i want i think back to college and what i was like i was like man it's amazing that i ever became a, a commander of anything you know you mm-hmm. think of how you thought went before your frontal lobe was fully developed but then you look at some of these leaders and there's a lot of really great people at all ranks you know one of my best leaders I had wasn't an officer but was an NCO and she was female and it was in the medical group and uh, she was just a phenomenal person like tireless and always trying to help her troops and support the mission good follower good leader Followership can also be a flaw. Mm. You know, some people are better at following, and some people are actually not so good at following and better at leading. I mean, I, sometimes I question my followership when I had a boss maybe that wasn't so interested in hearing the, the other opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, this is in the military. Sometimes I question my own follow. Like, am I just being contrary or... Or am you? I really Never. trying? To, <laughs> am I really trying to provide a, my boss a, a better picture of what the troops are thinking here? You know, mm-hmm. so he can be or she can be effective. Do they give you any type of leadership training in the military? Oh yeah, yeah, constantly. Really? Like I said, from day one, you're getting a little bit. You know, just for your little role, 
whatever that's going to be, E1 through E4, and then it gets bigger. Then you go on and you, you actually go to courses like Airman Leadership School hmm. um, in the Army. You might go to PLDC, um, and there's all these different NCO courses, like steps you go to, and you learn a wider version of leadership. But we also do some of the civilian stuff, too, mm-hmm. like Leadership 360. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever done that. I mean... You know, we're doing, we're, we'll go to court like Lean Six Sigma. We'll do, um, I don't know, you could throw a bunch of buzzwords out yeah. there, but mm-hmm. Corporate Air Force does that stuff as well. So, so you get it constantly, but that doesn't mean that every, there comes a point where it doesn't really help much more, to be honest with you, because you can look at, you can go read well, the newspaper. Personality newspapers. traits, I think, mm-hmm. to some degree play into leadership at least, you know. Oh, personality and just what you bring to the table to begin with. It's not like an, unlike an athlete. Mm-hmm. If you, you can have a strong athlete with very little training come in and do some really good things, and you could also have an athlete that you've trained forever that you still have trouble Just pulling off have the, the bench. abilities. Well, this is one of the reasons, and I'm, I'm pretty critical of John C. Maxwell and Anthony Robbins and people like that, because there's this school of thought currently that everybody can be a leader and it's a, it, you can teach it. And it's like, no, you can teach leadership, but there also has to be aptitude, and not everybody should be needs to be or wants to be a leader, right? Um, yeah, so I agree with that. I think you can move the needle. Mm-hmm. You know, you can move the needle. Like if someone has zero leadership capabilities yeah. and just is a nat- naturally fumbling because of their, it could be anything, their inability to communicate effectively, could be, you know, other bits of whether it's charisma or knowledge, you can move the needle for them for mm-hmm. sure and help them do better. But there's... No, not everybody can be a leader. Not everybody can be an athlete. Yeah. So I think I've shared this with you before, um, but I was a signature away from one of my parents from joining the military. Uh, So in the UK, you can leave school at 16. So you do six years of high school. After four years, you can leave, but you have to join the workforce or whatever. So at 16, I'm a terrible student when it comes to studying and all that stuff. I was just, I want to be done with this shit. Teachers suck at teaching, at least to how I learn. No, I'm serious. Like, back then it was, you sat in a class and they wrote on the blackboard and if you didn't learn it there, then you were supposed to do homework. And I'm like, no, fuck that, that's my Go read your book. So I was a bad student for, I'm intelligent, I have an aptitude to learn. I just was a bad student because I wasn't being taught the way that resonated with me. So I I was done. I'm like, I want to leave. And I want to join the military. My mum threatened to kill my dad if he signed it, basically. (laughs) Didn't want me in. So didn't make the military. But one of the things I've always admired about the military, and I'm probably somewhat regretful that I didn't at least give it a try. Um, So where I'm at with it is I love watching the military because there's a move up or get the hell out mentality across the board you can't be the same rank in the military for a long long time right it's the actively encourage you to better yourself and it's hey okay you've been an e1 for four years next time around if you're not becoming an e2 if you're not doing the things that needed to be an e2 you're out done unemployed and i wish more companies were like that you don't get tenure just by showing up you have to make yourself better and that's changed quite a bit. They, it was a little bit different, say, in the you know, 70s and 80s, but they have really pushed to if someone's not better in themselves, they need to go. And they create these gates where if you're not a certain rank by a certain time, you know, there's, they, they create exceptions too. There's ways hmm. to, you know. So it, they'll just say, yeah, there's the door. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, and, it, and a lot of times that takes care of itself because with the people, if people aren't bettering themselves, they're probably not putting a lot of effort in and, and you know so the those things work in tandem I think mm-hmm. a little bit but yeah I mean that's where I was I was at the point I mean no one said hey either up or out um I, well actually you know actually there was probably some conversations about that I was still a pretty young lieutenant colonel I had time before I hit any of those gates but um I was just kind of at the point in my life where I was like hey i and I really enjoyed serving. I liked who I was working with. I, I liked the unit I was in. Everything was good, but I was just kind of ready for new adventures, yeah. you know, just d- something different. And uh, and I got it in the little school district. So 
Every once in a while, I'll ask a question that comes out of nowhere and is totally off base. So you worked in the Pentagon. Yeah. I was watching a documentary recently on Area 51. (laughs) (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) Oh, Area 51 exists. Yeah. It's there. So, Brian, well, you know, every, what every, happened in Area 51? Everybody that works at the Pentagon knows all the secrets, right? Like, you know, when I was a second lieutenant That's there, a, they told me everything. Seriously? Who killed JFK? No. <laughs> oh, I was like, did they, just a bunch of speculation. Does no. the president have a little black book? <laughs> right. Yeah. What's all of the secret, secret stuff? There are, there, there are secrets that the president has that only presidents have. Right, and you know that because know. you're a president. Like, how do you know that? Like, yeah. what? it's <laughs> well documented. It's well documented. How is it well documented? <laughs> What's something that you can tell us that we wouldn't know that you know about the government or the military? Like something that would be like a little bit of a surprise. Maybe it's Area 51 esque. <laughs> a little bit of a surprise. Well, clearly, I'm not going to talk about anything classified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said that you. Let's can't What's talk one thing about you can tell me that will get you put in jail? What's possibly? one thing you can? Okay, no. we'll wait till we're off air for that. No, that's, no. that's that's a little more than an NDA. That's like that's a a more, yeah. national that's security. No. Knock, 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 knock. But but there might be something I can think of that that is a little bit of a surprise. I well, yeah, know. well, something that became declassified, maybe that we wouldn't. Yeah, we'll keep thinking on it because yeah, I want to tell. Yeah, story. you got to be even stuff that gets declassified is weird. Yeah. It's just not worth talking <laughs> about. I mean, most of my career, I didn't do anything super secret. You hacked some stuff. <laughs> you know, I did. Well, okay, maybe technically I did, but the I had guys that worked for me that were, were really good at hacking stuff. There's a difference. I was like, yeah. So, did you ever hack the Pentagon? <laughs> Jeez. You don't need to answer that. Don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> I don't think you quite understand the whole national security thing. He can say no. <laughs> me, me personally, we did. We never were aggressors for the Pentagon. For me, my your own part to play in the in the role. But is that the type of thing that like your groups would do? Yeah. Like people would go, like they would yeah. hack branch of the government, and the government would know that they were being hacked by the military to like prove Not, weaknesses. Well, you do no, you no, no, no. It's all set up in advance. It's no different than you do it in the corporate world. Okay. You know, you're saying, hey, we'd like a vulnerability. Yeah, assessment. come break us. You yeah. know, can you come and Done. kind of test it and see what see what we got? So it's no different than that. Um, you know, and it's it's pretty well measured. I mean, we would have letters and make sure that the commander signed the letter that he was good with us being there. And then we would have you know little get out of jail free cards for security forces, so they didn't you know th- didn't think we were really the bad guys. You know, yeah. things like that. But it was uh, you know it was an interesting mission for sure. You learn a lot doing that. Yeah. And, then what do you do with the information, right? You know, you, you, the the goal is to everybody gets a little wiser and smarter for it. And here we are, uh, 20 years later from when I first started that mission in 2021. I started that in 2001. And clearly we've done a great job because there's no cybersecurity risks anymore <laughs> or threats, right? Yeah. So we, we figured it out, oh, right? Wait, wait oh, the Russians we didn't just hack the, the, the Keystone pipeline or whatever it was? Wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to offend people. So if you're listening to this oh, and you lean left liberal and you're easily offended, I don't care. This is probably going to upset you. But Brian told me a story once where... Hey, don't drag me into your... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Mad. <laughs> he had to partake in sensitivity training within the military. And Steven should probably You didn't give me that. much details. I kind of put... I kind of joined the dots. But it's... I, I'm curious, and again, if you don't want to, you can decline to talk about this. Just I know keep talking you, sensitivity. Leave yeah. it that generic. Yeah. Me. Okay. So... <laughs> Long story short, all the stuff that people are getting offended about, now the military has to be aware of that. And just this past week, I watched two different commercials. One is the Russian military trying to recruit killing machines, right? So they're showing skinheads, push-ups, like proper what you think of when you're thinking platoon and military movies, like running around with guns and killing things. And then we have... A, I don't even. I didn't. I had to look up what cisgender was. By the way, apparently we're cisgender, like because we're traditional. Um, we have a female who's cisgender, but has 
this and that and all these things that were now incorporating into the military and I was just mind was blown I'm like oh I know which military I want to be a part of the one that's a killing machine versus the one that's talking about people's feelings and how we might upset someone if we're not aware of this and that and we're not feminists and we're not so I'm kind of talking a long way around to saying are we going in the direction where our military is going to be soft well I can tell you and we don't even have to talk about it with sensitivity training but it can be just a whole host of programs that get pushed upon the military it could be sensitive to safety stand down sometimes so you know like unfortunately there's extremely high suicide rates right now and we have implemented program on top of program on top of program i've been through so many trainings and the rates don't change so we add a new program you know and so it's 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 kind of interesting I, I, this is true at one point you know they were doing surveys and one of the issues for young airmen that they thought brought stress to their lives was all of this extra training you know for safety stand downs enough and not enough time to do their job so you pick a picture a young airman he's proud of what he does his job let's say is turning wrenches on the aircraft and you know, and he just doesn't have time to do it all. There's there's a lot of work to be done, and there always is. And we have aging fleets of aircraft, and their their mission capability rates drop, and so we got to fix some more. You know, so it's it's a constant stress, right? So this young hard charging airman now, because you know people are having tr- stressed out and having troubles dealing with whatever, and our you know, and, and an unfortunate thing like suicide rates are high now has to go take a safety stand down day well the plane's not fixing itself Mm -hmm. so if he wasn't stressed before he had to go take an extra day and now some of this training is really fantastic because it lets you know there's programs out here it can help you if you're having issues but when you take everybody and you keep pounding it into them and you keep pounding it into them and it's not changing you know things as far as our ROI on it then yeah it, it becomes like uh you start really getting this feeling that you know people are just being told at high levels hey you got to fix this what are you gonna do well i'm going to implement program a we do program a it doesn't fix it that person moves on in their leadership career and next person moves in hey this is bad what are you gonna do we're going to implement program b a lot of times the program a b's and you don't replace them you know it's just more and more and more there is a saturation of all that kind of training in the military Mm -hmm. and there's been attempts to get rid of it it's like meetings in the corporate world yeah have another meeting have another meeting yeah absolutely and i mean it's i I like that we do more than the other militaries when it comes to like family support and making sure we have services available you're talking air force now Uh, no the whole military okay yeah yeah you know other militaries in different countries yeah versus like you know other um yeah other countries that may not do a lot to support Mm -hmm. their 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 troops we do a lot but we also we we reach. I don't know if you've seen Spaceballs, but we we, we reach. <laughs> oh we shit! Reach, there goes the planet. <laughs> <laughs> we reach ludicrous speed with this stuff. We really do. And um, there comes a point where you're just not doing the, that training better. You're not really helping anything. You're just, I think, at the high level, satisfying your own conscience that you you're may checking be, boxes. You're checking stuff. a box. Yeah. It, yeah. it just no. You're it, Stephen. You're. Yeah, I've always wondered how much our potential serious adversaries did on sensitivity training. Yeah. I can tell you ISIS probably didn't do a lot of it, <laughs> you know, and they were an adversary for a while. And yeah, yeah. Are, we, are we even allowed to call them airmen anymore? Uh, I don't know. That's I'm pretty question. sure there's a movement Air to individuals. all binary language from military titles and like... And, Obviously, it's not military, but even within my company, it's not chairman's club anymore. It's champion's club when you when you reach a certain standard. so. Uh, well, I'm offended. If, what if I'm not a champion at your firm? Yeah, Does exactly. that insinuate that I'm lesser than? Yeah. I'm yeah. suing. But, no, like, yeah. seriously, like, I, like I, airmen so might, not be, might not be the term anymore. And you've been out, what, four years, five years now? Four? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I, and... You know, I mean, I can remember the arm when I was in the army, and they started using the term soldier a lot more, um, which was good because we did have a lot more females that were 
um, at that time, this is, I think, mid-90s, you know, so this is a long time ago before they were even allowed to participate in some of the combat arms arenas. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we know women make fantastic soldiers and leaders. Mm -hmm. And if I had to make a, a bold statement out there, I would say we probably have had too, ma too many men running the military yeah. for so yeah. long. We will be better if we can get more females running the military. I do want to ask one more question. Ben's on the clock. He's got to be out of here soon, but... Um, on that, I 100% agree. Women are able, capable, like very, and we should have more women in positions of influence within the military. Where do you stand on like special forces having different levels of fitness testing for women to be able to be parts of certain teams? Because I, I know I'm against that. I'm like, no, here, here's the criteria. If a woman can make it, by all means, but... I don't believe in dropping the criteria just to tick a box. Not if it, particularly not if it impacts the mission. I mean, I don't think there's or anything. Or safety, too. I mean, that's like a safety thing. Like, a lot yeah, of time you got to be. That's, that's where we get silly again, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's about the mission. The military is about the mission. It's for special forces, um, you know, and, and I've known some guys that were involved in special. It's That's a serious mission. They're asked to do really serious things. But if a female can do it, they can do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. If 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 our standards are so ridiculously high that we need to reevaluate and say, all right, maybe we can be a little more realistic here and make it so whether you're male or female, the new level is is here mm -hmm. and we can be just as effective. Then that's great. You know, if it can be more inclusive, because you know, unfortunately, the biology is 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 men have better strength development. Yeah, How over. dare you? I, I, well, they, they did. Yeah. Triggered. I mean, yeah. Triggered. <laughs> right. So it, it just it, it is what it is, right? <laughs> and so without that, um, I, I don't think it's right to, to lower standards to the point where it would hurt the mission. But I do think they can lower standards enough to be more inclusive so that yeah. the gender is not as much of a factor. You know, I mean, it, it is going to be what it is. I mean, the you know, the, you in the old days, they don't carry these weapons as much now, but we had the M60. It was a really heavy weapon in the military. It was replaced by the M249 and much lighter, uh, the SAW, squad automatic weapon. But the M60 was very heavy. Well, no little guys got to carry the, the, the M60. There were always one or two that were like little miniature, uh, strong, just little muscle freaks man. of nature that could do it. And, hey, if you can do it, you can do it. But, um, you know, they couldn't give everybody an M60. I don't know if I could have carried one, you know. Okay, yeah. so. so when we're wrapping it up, yep, we've got to wrap it up with a kayak story. <laughs> okay. The kayak story. Man, all right. We got so, fair enough. So Stephen, when he when he gets going, uh, I, I always think of him like, you know, he, he maybe has a beer and you know he's loosening up and and then he has another beer and you know he gets looser and like he, he gains more energy and but he sustains that pattern throughout the night. Like it's like little Mario power ups. You remember you know Mario and Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every one he gets is a, actually a power up. The rest of us, Every the rest of human humanity, after we have uh, a beer or two, you know, we start getting maybe a little, there's a, a point where we actually start declining. We get sleepy. We want food and we go to bed. Not Steven. He will power up all night long until the the video game is over, and he will keep going. And so <laughs> this one particular night. We were uh, at our cabin, and he was uh, uh, pow su sufficiently powered up, uh, <laughs> and, and it's getting later, and, and I'm like, we're sitting around the campfire, like, I'm ready for bed, and I'm thinking, and plus I'm, what, 10 years older than him, but, so I'm ready for bed, and he's like, you know, what are we going to do now? And he's just... Was that like Arnold? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. I became Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right, right. And so, in his, anyways, in Scottish accent, he's just always... Like, hey, we got to go do something. I'm like, well, then I heard girls. Yes, oh, there was pe there was people having. Uh, it was our neighbors having, you know, a few houses down. Half they were up late and they like had a around half a mile away. Yeah, and so next thing you know, Stephen, we're, we're getting in the, our little kayaks, <laughs> and Stephen wants to go over. I'm like, I'll take. All right, I'll take you over there, and he wants to go visit, and so he goes over, and they they were they were really nice people, and Stephen was just. 
you know, like Spinal Tap. He was on 11, you know. <laughs> Most of his, he was he was, had it dialed up to 11. <laughs> and so he, uh, we stayed there. I swear the sun was coming up, but we're on our way back. He tips his, his kayak over. <laughs> well, you were in individual so, kayaks. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, thank goodness I was not <laughs> yeah, in his kayak. Like, them or we would not be telling this story <laughs> today. Yeah, it yeah. would have ended then. And <laughs> I'm sure Stephen would have found a way to survive. But, uh, <laughs> but I would be at the bottom of Ponderay Lake. But. He ended up. He ended up flipping his kayak. He <laughs> so he's just soaked, right? And so we get back to the fire, um, and he at, he just lays down right on the bench Stripped there. Stripped off first. Take yeah. Takes all his clothes off. Except my shorts. I kept my boxer shorts. He on. has his boxer shorts on, and he slept right there until morning. In fact, I don't know who came down and Emma. saw you. Oh, yeah, my daughter, Emma. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, Emma, is like, uh, I think Stephen was asleep on the, the bench this morning. <laughs> I, how do you sleep? I, these aren't comfortable benches. Like it a wooden literally, bench or something. No, it's, it's literally it was a two-by-eight stacked on a couple of logs. Oh, gosh. And the he power slept up on it stopped. all night. They stopped giving me beer, so it was time to go to sleep. The yeah. power up. Game <laughs> over. <laughs> Shutting down. Yeah. I could sleep on the edge of a razor blade when I'm tired. Oh I told gosh. you that. Yeah, you so. did last time. It was Carl impressive. That's funny. It was impressive. But it was a fun night. Stephen heard girls. Really fun night. Oh, that was it. I was like, oh, there's people over there. Like, you all are going to bed. I'm going exploring. So he had to come because they were like, he's getting in a kayak and he's shit can drunk. And he's going to go to the neighbors. Well. Great. And you know I wasn't wearing a, a life jacket. I'm just like, I hear people paddling <laughs> like a lunatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, even know geez. if you really paddled so much as wiggled your way over there. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it wasn't pretty kayaking it was by wiggled. Hence the falling out. And well, falling the out. falling out happened when I, got, when I got close to shore. I'm like, all right, I'm too far oh. from the dock. So I started paddling too much on one side. And just I was going to say, did you get back in? I was like, kayaks are hard to get back into. If you No, at that point, like, I just walked in and dragged it up on the shore. <laughs> he admitted defeat. I was oh, like the geez. creature from the Blue Lagoon walking out that day. Okay, Brian. Well, yeah. thanks for coming in. Sure. Yeah, thank, thank you. Guys. Appreciate um, you having me. We could have talked for longer, but Ben's on, on a time crunch. so Yeah, I got to get to the north side. Right. He said he had to be walking out at this time, actually a minute ago. Yeah. I'm still no talking. Usually how it you works. haven't gotten up and walked out yet. Well, depends how much longer you talk for. I might. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Brian. Thank uh, you. For you guys, rate, review, and share. You want to sign off, Ben? We, we already did. Rate, review, and share. Till the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Boom. Boom.